Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome this evening. I get the opportunity to read a lot of wonderful books contributed in for 1111 Magazine and 1111 Talk Radio. And as much as I enjoy all of the different ones that come in, I have to say that the one that I recently read by Andrew Harvey called The Hope really struck me. It struck my heart. There were places that brought me to tears. It resonated so deeply within me that I could not help but have this amazing mystic on 1111 Talk Radio and soon to be featured in 1111 Magazine as well. This guide to sacred activism is the next step for humanity. It is the next step for practitioners, for people that are really willing to step into a new earth, to step into a new place of being. It's no longer about the me, and it is moving towards the community of we, and then stepping into that fully embracing all that we must go. And this is an incredible guide as to how to do that, how to anchor oneself in it, and how to really embrace these beautiful thoughts of this amazing mystic. The Hope reveals how the large-scale practice of sacred activism can become an essential way for preserving and healing the planet and its inhabitants. Harvey believes the current crisis at hand drives us towards the positive practice of justice, equality, and harmony with nature, such as the new movements toward ecological sustainability, social justice, and nonviolence, the advent of new alternative forms of technology and energy, a mystical renaissance and return of the divine feminine. As bad as things might seem, as bad as it may look, Sometimes we have to allow things to pass and die away so that a new birth can come. And we need leaders such as Andrew Harvey to guide the way. I'd like to welcome Andrew Harvey to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for the beautiful things you said about the hope. Makes well, you very, very moved. Thank you. It, it really, from, from page one, I just was struck incredibly by the stories, by the wisdom, by the experiences, and it's truth that just rang through. And every step of the way of reading this book, I kept bumping into people saying, you have to read this book, you have to read this book. So I really hope that we have enough time to get into a lot of it, because there's so much in every page. What led you to 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 decide that this was the book that needed to be written, that we needed to really get people to understand what sacred activism is? Well, for a long time I've been aware that the world is in extreme crisis and that the only solution, I believe, to this crisis is a marriage of profound spiritual wisdom with clear, wise, focused, radical action. I've been aware of that, I think, for 20 years, but it was an experience that happened to me in Coimbatore, where I was born, while my father was dying in 1997, that really brought home the urgency of getting this vision across at this critical moment in human history. I saw the living Christ in a church and was overwhelmed with love and then went out into the Indian noon and saw a young man without any arms or legs squatting in a puddle. He was a beggar, totally derelict. And I went and picked him up, and I saw in his eyes the eyes of the Christ. And then I heard a very fierce voice saying, you have been playing with your mystical experiences. You've been using them just for your own benefit, for your own career, your own fame, 
don't you know that you were given these things so that you could be a servant of the great birth, the great transformation that is trying to take place on this planet. Everything you must do from now on must be devoted to getting people to become aware of three things, that there is a massive death taking place, that this death is potentially the birth canal of an enormous birth, the birth of a new kind of humble and creative and passionate and peaceful divine humanity, and that the way through to birthing this birth, to becoming midwives of this birth, is through incarnating the fire of divine love and divine wisdom in action. And that was such an overwhelming experience, I really had to devote the rest of my life to try and getting it across. Well, and I got the impact of how overwhelming that must have been because just reading about it was an overwhelming experience. I'd like to read a part that really struck me from that section of the book, and that is, the divine is being crucified again and again by a humanity obsessed with its own needs and driven increasingly by a crazed and suicidal hunger to dominate and control and exploit everything. Everything you are and everything you do from this moment on must help human beings awaken to their inner divinity, and to its responsibilities of urgent, sacred action. There are some questions. What did you do while the world was burning? How did you work to heal the horror of a world on fire? What did you love enough to risk and give your life for? If, if a person were to really stop and take in what that message says and take in those questions, that is such depth that a, an individual would go to to really yeah. uncover why they're really here. It's not this frivolous, materialistic uh, chaos that we create in our lives. We are here for a greater purpose. Well, I remember when I interviewed the Dalai Lama on the day that he won the Nobel Prize in Oslo, which is one of the holiest and most grace-filled occasions of my life. I finished the interview by daring to ask him the question, what is the meaning of life? And he flung back his head and roared his famous laugh. And then suddenly he became very focused and looked at me very seriously and said, the meaning of life is to embody the transcendent. And at that moment, a kind of electric shock went up and down my body, which was a grace, I think, from the divine. And I realized that I was looking at somebody who had realized the and was realizing the meaning of life and that the meaning of life has nothing to do with power nothing to do with status, nothing to do with money, really, nothing to do with fame, nothing to do with celebrity, nothing to do in any way with any of the goals of our doomed materialist society and our obscene spiritual materialism, but everything to do with connecting with divine love and then bringing that divine love, that divine light, that divine peace, that divine power, that divine passion, down into our minds to illumine them, into our hearts to shatter them open and film them with passionate compassion, and into our bodies to ground the divine light in the body so that the body increasingly divinized can become an instrument of this great transformation that's trying to take place, this great evolutionary leap that could take place if enough human beings woke up to the appalling horror and terror and madness and deep danger that the entire humanity is in and that the whole of the creation is in and realized that this potentially could be the motive of a great birth 
and realized, too, that the only way to this birth was to really start bringing together the two passions of the human soul, the passion of the mystic for God and the passion of the activist for justice. These two great fires, when they come together, engender a third fire. This is the fire of the Christ consciousness, or if you prefer, the fire of divine love and divine wisdom in radical action to transform all realms of this world, this light, dangerous moment. And, and what's so important and practical about that is, is the concept of the two must fuse together because there are many people that think, well, I can just detach myself from the world, you know, in a sense, live on my own mountain and not really participate. Where will and they then go? there are other people that are just so busy doing that they're not connecting to that spiritual essence of them that really allows things to flow easily and effortlessly. How does one help to merge those two together in their lives if they're at one or the other place? I think this crisis is a tremendous challenge to both mystics as they are now and activists as they are now. To the mystics, this challenge is saying, do you really think it is enough to pray and meditate and grow peaceful and have wonderful sensational mystical experiences and detach yourself from the world, from relationships, from the earth, from the agony of the animals, from the horror of the burning forest? Do you really think that is an adequate response to the amazing truths that you've been graced to discover? You have to get off the mat and put into practice the truths that you've learned in mystical experience and become active agents of compassion and justice in the world. And to activists, this crisis is saying, do you really imagine that you are going to change society from the very divided consciousness full of anger, fake self-righteousness, blame, and burnout that is creating the horrific problems that you are trying to solve. If you persist in acting however nobly from a divided consciousness, you will grow exhausted, you will grow despairing, you will burn out, and your actions will never be completely wise because they will never be sourced from the source of wisdom, and you will never be able in the coming crisis and in the coming menace and the coming disaster to go on going on from the deepest energy unless you connect with the energy, love, and peace of the divine. So what is required is our spirituality and our sacred activism. I am here today with Andrew Harvey, author of The Hope. With a myriad crisis facing our planet, from our monetary systems collapsing to environmental depletion, nuclear proliferation, rise in fundamentalism, and the hurried, disconnected pace of life, the future can seem bleak. bleak. This Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism, is a new book that offers sage advice and practical tools for overcoming these seemingly insurmountable global catastrophes and shares an urgent yet passionately inspiring message for those seeking personal and planetary transformation. You can connect to Andrew Harvey at andrewharvey.net, and we will be right back to hear more of this wonderful mystic's wisdom. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. 
We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Millions of people all over the world are waking up to the need to become sacred activists. Andrew Harvey is leading the pack by his new book, The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism. The collapse of the world's financial markets, the growing universal understanding that the environment is in serious danger, and that a wholly new energy policy is urgently needed, and the menace of nuclear war in the Middle East and between India and Pakistan have started to change everything. This conversation has opened up a new, sober, and urgent collaboration and discussion about the essential values and the need for radical transformation of our way being is breaking out everywhere. During the commercial break, Andrew Harvey and I were speaking about how oftentimes it has to be the collapse, it has to be the crisis, and it has to be the breakdown of systems for something new to come in place. Let's talk a little bit more about that, Andrew, because I think that's something that, that listeners need to hear, that this is part of a cycle. We don't have to necessarily fear it and go into chaos about it. We need to recognize that this is something that's naturally unfolding for us if we allow it and maybe what the steps are that we need to do in the process. 
Well, I think one of the great revelations that I was given by my great teacher, Father Bede Griffiths, was that this evolutionary crisis we are in is the equivalent in global human terms of what the individual goes through on the mystical path. It is a global dark night of the species. What the individual mystic comes to know is that a dark night, which is the shattering of all of the agendas of the ego, feels and seems like death and torture and horror, but is actually the birth canal of a wholly new level of consciousness, a wholly new level of empowerment, and a wholly new level of wisdom. There is an amazing poem by Rumi which gets this process at its purest and most exact, and this, I believe, is the poem of our time, the poem of this great shattering that we are living through, which is actually, for all its agony and horror and difficulty, the beginning of a great birth. Rumi says, the grapes of my body can only become wine after the winemaker tramples me. I surrender my body like grapes to his trampling, so my inmost heart can blaze and dance with joy. Although the grapes go on sobbing blood and weeping, I cannot bear any more anguish, I cannot bear any more cruelty. The trampler stuffs cotton in his ears and says, it is I who am the master of this work. You can deny me if you want. You have every excuse. But when, through my passion, you reach perfection, you will never be done praising my name. Hmm. Just such beautiful words. And it, really, it really speaks to how there is a dance of death and birth, and there is, in a sense, a reincarnation that goes on continuously, even in our lives, to to step up and be more sacred, more of the divine consciousness, uh, right. rather than just the human being. And it's often through loss and torment and suffering and disaster that we learn how to dance with this dance of death and resurrection. It is the central dance that creates the cosmos, and it's the central engine of evolution. Evolution never proceeds just by straight lines. It proceeds, that we now know, through a series of very savage crises that galvanizes spurts of outrageous and unpredictable and miraculous growth. And this is how the divine human is going to be born out of the massive chaos of our time. There are three dangers, however, and these dangers have to be taken seriously, I think. The first danger is that the necessary shattering and ordeal ahead will drive millions, perhaps billions of people so crazy that they choose the most damaging kind of authoritarian solutions. Fear can be easily manipulated by unscrupulous people to usher in the most ferocious kind of fascism. We've already had an attempt by Republicans for eight years in this country to use the fear of terrorism to begin the institution of a series of near-fascist um, policies. Just as Father Bede had said, in a sense, people trying to play God with, with what's going on around us and control things and, and manipulate things. Yes, and that would be a very, very dark alternative. And since that mentality would also be one that continued the environmental devastation, it would really hasten the extinction of the race and of nature. The second danger is that people think that this birth 
is inevitable, that God is going to do it for us. We have become so lazy, so slothful, so vain, so addicted to simple solutions that we've forgotten that we need to cooperate with this birth. We need to cooperate with this law of resurrection. We need to really sacrifice for it and dedicate ourselves to it and to do the enormous inner and outer work that makes it possible. The third danger is that this work will seem impossible to anyone who doesn't have a deep mystical connection. Once you are connected with the divine and know that this third fire of love and wisdom in action, this evolutionary fire is real and really exists, then you know that it is capable of transforming you in miraculous ways and transforming the world in miraculous ways. But until you are really in connection with it, it seems like poetry, it seems like a myth, it seems impossible, it seems implausible. So the only way forward, I believe, is for people to take immensely seriously what the great evolutionary mystics, what the Hopi prophecies, what the Mayan prophecies, what all of the major evolutionary systems of the world is telling us, which is that this is a necessary evolutionary death. It is going to be very, very difficult, very, very painful, very, very shocking very, very menacing. We must prepare for it. We must absorb the full lessons of it. And more importantly, we must do the inner deep work of connecting with the divine so as not to be shattered by what happens in the outer world and stay calm and focused and working on creating the structures of the birth and helping the birth through. And, and I'd like to repeat what you're saying because what is most necessary at this time is for each of us to take that full responsibility to really look at ourselves, look at our lives, take that that very, very seriously and see what we're doing, where our thoughts, beliefs, actions, emotions are, and step forward to connecting to that divine spirituality within us so that we can, as it says in here, surrender Surrender yes. to the divine, surrender to the mother, and open to the divine in that way so that we can really walk walk strong and steady even through the storm, so we can be the eye in the, in the center of the storm. And this requires something that contemporary spirituality and contemporary um, America is desperately frightened of and in denial of, which is the necessity for shadow work. Every one of us has a shadow, a personal shadow, that is in deep collusion with the collective shadow that is destroying the planet. Every one of us is hooked into a system of consumerism, of material gain, of hunger for fame, of a system that, into a system that dominates and exploits nature in outrageous and destructive ways. And every one of us is intimidated by having to step forward and witness and be our authentic selves because we live in such a web of lies. And every one of us is addicted to comfort, addicted to a comfort that this um, doomed civilization has provided us at the expense of nature. So Absolutely. In all of those ways, our, our Western are... society is, is one of the most materialistic, and we've gotten caught up in all of that. We yes. really have gotten so embroiled in our need to have and, and the need to have so much that that's kind of, it's, they have become our idols. They've become our gods. And we, we have to 
see ourselves for what it is and, and how we're allowing those elements and the shadow pieces to take over. I'd love for you to share a little bit about the story because it depicts so well about that shadow side is the letter that you received from a gentleman that had tortured animals because you had to look inside yourself and say, where is that in me? Where is that shadow piece in me? Well, I don't think you know anything about true unity consciousness until you begin to understand with some horror that it doesn't just mean unity with all the good and beauty and joy in the world. It also means unity with all the perversion, destruction, and cruelty in the world because everything out there is also in here in some ways. We are all microcosms of the great microcosm, and that means that in everyone there is an element of the serial killer, of the child molester, of the arrogant and destructive CEO, of the unscrupulous politician, and also of the animal torture. And that came clear to me when I received a letter from somebody who'd read my book on um, Rumi. He was in prison, and he had been put in prison for severely torturing animals, and he wrote to us by help. And I, of all the things that upsets me and torments me the most, the torture of animals seems to me to me the most abominable thing that the human race does. I think that we are preparing for ourselves and our treatment of animals a tsunami of overwhelming dark karma. We have created a concentration camp on the earth in which we are torturing the animals and burning their habitats down and squirting acid into the eyes of kittens to test osmetics. I mean, a series of awful, crazy, dissociated, psychotic acts. And I am outraged by it, but what the letter really forced me to look at, because I didn't want to answer him, was my own torturer, the part of me that could exult in exerting power over a weak, voiceless, defenseless thing. And when I was able to own that in great grief, I was able to turn to him and really establish what became a very beautiful friendship. It was a very important turning point in my life. And we will talk more about that after the commercial break. I am here with Andrew Harvey, the author of The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism. I urge you to go to his website to purchase this book, to connect with all that he is doing in the world, and step into your own place of sacred activism. You can connect to him at www.andrewharvey.net. That's andrewharvey.net. You will find several other books and, and materials that he has created. You will also find out about the Institute for Sacred Activism, and you can learn more about different events and his own story on that website. So we will be right back with Andrew Harvey and discover more of this wonderful book, The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics 
of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. And the results indicate your child has neuroblastoma. There's evidence of metastasis. We need to schedule a bone We'll need to perform a surgical urinary biopsy. After you hear your child has cancer, chances are you don't hear anything else. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. My guest today is Andrew Harvey. He is the author of The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism. In this book, there are countless stories that really allow you to connect to the heart, allow you to see individuals that are making a difference on this planet, and also connect to some amazing mystical experiences that Harvey himself has also had. We have to allow our spiritual side to connect with that active side, to really fuse together and make a change and a difference in our world. We have to allow ourselves to connect to amazing organizations such as the Institute for Sacred Activism, which you can find on Andrew Harvey's website, andrewharvey.net. And we have to allow ourselves to realize that we face the truth of what's going on, and from that place we take the steps to really become actively involved in our own world, in our own lives, in our own being, as well as in the outer world, in the outer lives, and the collective being. Andrew, we were talking about a scenario where you found the me inside uh, of a person that had tortured animals. There was another story that really touched me, and it was about a woman from South Africa, and her husband and son had been killed, and brutally killed by a gentleman. And in the courtroom, she sat there, and they asked what she thought was justice, and she gave her reply, the three things that she wanted to have happen, and it really just brought me to tears. Will you share what three things that she wanted to have happen? Well, the first thing she wanted was to be taken by the man to the place where he had tortured her son to death so that she could have some dust from the place that he'd been killed in because that was all that remained of him. And the second thing that she wanted, and she turned to the man, is that since she still had a great deal of love to give, she wanted to give him that love. And to, so she asked him, in the third request, that he would come to where she lived in the ghetto and visit her every month and be her son. And then she turned to the two women who were near her and said, could you help me across this courtroom? Because she was crippled. 
so that I can embrace this man and show him that he has truly and absolutely been forgiven. And as she started to walk towards him, the man who had tortured her husband and son to death fainted, and the whole courtroom sang Amazing Grace. And for me, the most important and holy and extraordinary detail of that story is that the man fainted. And I think he fainted because never in his whole life did he imagine that someone whom he had done such atrocious things to could answer that atrocity with such a huge outpouring of compassion. And I think he fainted also because what came through her, because she was such a pure vessel of unconditional love, was the third fire, the force, the great fire force that is the evolutionary force of the universe, and it felled him down and killed one being in him and resurrected another. And I think what this crisis is asking all of us to do is to go through a transformation huge enough and big enough and wide enough and brave enough so that we can become like that woman, pure vessels of this fire force of unconditional love that can flow through us and really transform everything. And that's why that story is, for me, one of the crucial stories of sacred activism, because it represents not just the beauty and holiness of forgiveness and unconditional love, but it also represents the stupendous power of the force of love that comes through forgiveness and unconditional compassion. And it is an amazing power, and we each have that within us. It really is a choice. We have the choice to just forgive and love and support other people in their healing rather than take the opposite stance and continue the blame and the anger and the force that, that gets exerted because that's just a battle back and forth. It's a constant tennis game unless we decide that we're going to do it a different way. Yes, and this isn't just um, sweet piety. This is the only way the major conflicts of the earth can now be solved. If you take the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, there will never be a justice that appeals to both sides. What would seem just to the Israelis will never seem just to the Palestinians. What would seem just to the Palestinians will never seem just to the Israelis. There will be endless quibbling and violence and mutual distrust until both sides undergo a transformation and decide to unconditionally forgive the other because that is the only way in which people can start afresh. This has happened in many, many ways in South Africa, Uh, not completely and not perfectly, but when Nelson Mandela came into power, he and Desmond Tutu set up the um, Commissions of Reconciliation, which really made it clear that the future of South Africa depended on clearing the slate of, of rage and recrimination and starting afresh from a position of profound, unconditional love. This was heroic, but it really has had an effect of giving South Africa, however difficult and ambiguously, an extraordinary chance to restore itself. Well, and it seems that for us to get from that me, me, me perspective, it's going to involve an embracing of service. And you talk about five forms of service. And the first one begins with service to the divine. Well, I think that if you want to be a Bertha, a midwife, of this great love fire in reality, and if you really want to 
discover for yourself the two greatest truths of life, which is that only service can bring you true joy, and that actions, when performed with unconditional surrender and compassion, are infused with divine light and divine power. If you want to really live those two truths and become an instrument of the great birth that's trying to take place on this planet, there are five services, kinds of service that you truly need to fuse in the core of your life. The first, I believe, is a service to the divine by whatever name or form you understand it. Pour out your being in gratitude and adoration and thanksgiving and praise to the God of your understanding, and you will find that your perceptions will be cleansed, your dreams will be full of guidance, and you will receive exactly the kind of energy and delight and power and real help that you need. This is the unanimous experience of all of the mystics, of all of the traditions, and it is an experience that anybody can have who has the courage to go for it. The second kind of service, and this is very important, I think, is the service to yourself, but not in the narcissistic, me, 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 new age way, but in the ancient traditional way of really thinking of yourself as an instrument that needs to play the music of God. So service to yourself in this ancient and ever-fresh way is really cleansing your instrument so that it can play the music of God. And that means four related things. It means having a profound daily down-home spiritual practice that attunes your spirit. It means deep shadow work that constantly purifies your heart and ego. It means really, really looking after your body in exercise and diet because your body is your instrument through which you can express your spiritual passion. And it means really doing sacred body practices that can call down the divine light and the divine energy into your body because in the crisis that is now exploding everywhere, all of us are going to need not only to be healthy, but to be increasingly divinized in our bodies because as the immune system of the world collapses, we are going to need very much stronger bodies to be able to go on going on doing the work. And this has to be a very pro- uh, proactive, conscious participation. Yes, it has to be a choice of an integral, holistic, spiritual practice, which I believe has four aspects, cool practices that calm you down and align you with divine peace, warm practices that allow you to keep your heart alive in hell, prayer practices that allow you to align yourself with the beloved in intense intimacy, and sacred body practices that permit this divinization of the body that is necessary to create a body strong enough and luminous enough and supple enough and healthy enough to do the great work. And I have seen, particularly with practitioners and people doing this kind of work, this tends to be a place of breakdown because we're so often, and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, Me too. there's such a desire to do the work and, and there's a passion, there's a love for it, that you, and you find the joy in it, but it often can be something to where you let yourself or I let myself get so depleted. And so I see the validity and vast importance of this particular step of service. Well, I have to say that I'm teaching what I need to learn because I have always um, overdone it and always pushed myself too hard and it's only in the last few years that I'm beginning to beginning to, to really nourish myself. I think the third kind of service is service to all sentient beings, really realizing that everybody that you meet and every animal 
is a manifestation of God. And I want to say again that I think sacred activism's one of sacred activism's most noble passions is for animal rights because we cannot go on torturing the animal races in the way that we're doing. And I, I liked the way you stated that earlier because I think it needs to be brought home in that strong a statement when you said concentration camps are no the different. The world is an animals. Auschwitz in which we are the gauleiters torturing the animals. Anybody yes. who really takes the trouble to investigate what we are doing in laboratories, investigate and face what we're doing in abattoirs, investigate and face what we're doing in the burning down of the habitats of the animals, investigate and face what we're doing in allowing poaching and cant hunting, cannot avoid the conclusion that we are now demonically cruel to them in horrific ways. It's amazing that they still extend to us such extraordinary compassion, and it is a terrible, terrible sign of our radical dissociation from life that we have come to this place, and it must change. It must change. And then there comes service to the local community. Yes, this is crucial because while I think it's very important to have a global perspective and to understand this great crisis in the ways we've been talking about as a necessary, if terrifying, death that prepares a great birth, it's also extremely important to get going in your local community on causes that you care about. And when people come to me and ask me, well, what is my mission? What should I do? I really say to them, please have the courage one day soon at about 3 o'clock in the morning to wake up, to surround yourself by the peace of God and ask yourself one question. And ask yourself this question with great intensity and authenticity. Ask yourself the question, what of all the causes in the world breaks my heart the most? Because when you find out, I've discovered for myself and so many thousands of others have discovered also, when you find out what you care most about, what really torments you, what keeps you awake at night, what makes you want to howl in the dark, what makes you want to beat your fist against the walls and cry out to God, why, why do you let this happen? When you discover that degree of heartbreak about something, you also discover a tremendous passionate desire in the core of your being to do something to alter the situations that are keeping the madness going. And when you discover that, you discover also in the middle of the heartbreak and in the middle of the passion, a fountain of energy that can keep you going through whatever ordeals you need to face to get your course through. And so we each need to dive heart- into, we need to dive into our communities, we need to dive into our five forms of service, beginning with the service to the divine, service to the self, service to the sentient beings in our life and to our community. And when we return from this commercial break, we will talk about the all, the service to the global community. I am with Andrew Harvey, author of The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism, www.andrewharvey.net. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Just what is Skills USA? Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people. Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world.
find out more on the web at skillsusa.org. Experience higher love, an archangelic journey into ascended joy and authentic living. Your hosts, Sri Ram Ka and Kira Ra, will assist you to open your heart, expand your love, and be ever-present with true joy. Your journey with Sri and Kira begins right here on the 7th Wave Network with Higher Love, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Listening on a higher dimension. 7th Wave Network. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Welcome back. There's definitely need for more than one hour when you're speaking to Andrew Harvey. He has so much wisdom to share with the planet and is leading us with the hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism, his latest book, which I urge you to connect to his website or order, and you can go there, uh, andrewharvey.net. We were discussing the five forms of service, and that was service to the divine, service to the self as an instrument of the divine, service to sentient beings in your life and then service to the community around you. Once you've gotten to that place of such passion and drive that he spoke of, that you enjoy every piece of yourself in that, you then move to what is service to the global community. Andrew, talk about that service to the global community and how so many more people need to step up and do their part. Well, I think that... Service to the global community for me means realizing that whether you like it or not, everything that you buy, everything you invest in, everything you do, every, every vote you cast has repercussions not just in your own country but throughout the world. When you see just how interconnected both the great death that is happening in the world is and the birth that could happen is, you realize the depth of your own interconnection with all the difficult forces and dark forces that are creating the destruction and all the potentially extraordinarily light forces that could create the birth. And that breeds in you a very deep sense of responsibility. Responsibility about who you vote in, responsibility of what car you drive, responsibility for what food you buy, responsibility for what causes you support, responsibility on every level. And being congruent in this way is essential now because there are an awful lot of people I know and I'm sure you know 
who think that they are really contributing to a new world, but who continue in the way they invest, in the way they, in the cars they drive, in the kind of food they eat, to keep going old, oppressive, destructive systems. And that breeds both hypocrisy and ineffectiveness. We have got to try, however hard it is, to become congruent in all the ways we act. Well, and many people would look around their communities or look around their world and say, well, I'm just one person, you know, me changing the car I drive or deciding to recycle. What difference is that one going to do? Might as well just do what everyone else is doing. But it does make a difference. One person makes a difference. Absolutely. But I think it's very important also to understand that the transformation of sacred activism will never be done just by isolated individuals doing acts of sensible and generous compassion. What is now needed, and I think I make this clear in the book, and certainly I think it's one of the most important aspects of the book, is a worldwide organized global revolution of love in action. And I didn't complete the book. It actually took me five years to write until I had come up with what I hope is a really helpful idea of how to organize the goodwill and passion for service of sacred activists. I was in a convent in Ohio, and I was praying to really be given a method to organize the goodwill of this movement. And I'd been meditating on why Al-Qaeda and the fundamentalists have been so successful and suddenly it came clear to me that the reason why they're successful is that they organize themselves in cells of between 6 to 15 people cells of people who gather around a cause, pray together, infuse each other, encourage each other hold each other responsible, bear each other's ecstasies disappointments and defeat and defeats and really become a very, very creative, synergistically energized unit And it came to me, the words, networks of grace, that if and when sacred activists create networks of grace, cells of between 6 to 12 people gather together in these cells, pray together, concentrate on causes together, empty their Rolodexes together, empty their brilliant minds together and passionate hearts together, then a wholly new level of synergistic creativity and effectual power can be created. So I've opened an, a world global website called networksofgrace.org, which has just begun. And I encourage passionately everybody out there not just to do those five kinds of service from an individual position, but to really, really answer the challenge of this crisis and the challenge to become organized by creating in your local community a network of grace. Say you discover that you are most radically heartbroken by the plight of animals, then find six to ten other people in your community who are also deeply moved by animals and start by the plight of animals and start really making radioactive mischief to ensure that animals of every kind are more decently treated and more lovingly looked after and looked at in your community. Get and this together. can be done with, with anything. This can be done around any profession. It can be a group of lawyers. It can be politicians. It yes, can be it therapists. can be done with anything. Anyone can come together and create that cell, that unit, that network of grace to really help to shift the changes. And that's how one can come forward to make a group and then connect to the greater group that is the networkofgrace.org. 
Right, because my vision in the end is of a global website in which, say, you are a passionate lawyer in Poughkeepsie with our six other lawyers who are helping poor people who don't have money to fight for justice. Then you can connect with lawyers in Iran or in Iceland and learn whatever they're up to and, be, and learn new techniques, new strategies. This is the way in which, using the Internet, Networks of Grace could really start an interconnected, highly creative, brilliantly inventive, very powerful global revolution of love in action. I am here today with Andrew Harvey. He is the author of The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism. This wonderful book has numerous stories, mystical experiences, and several points and guides as to how you can create this in your own life. You can connect to Andrew Harvey at andrewharvey.net, and you can also connect to him with his new organization, networksofgrace.org. It is time for us to step up and take the roles that we have been given, utilize them, be conscious, creative activists in our own lives and in the lives of others, our communities, and on a global scale. I want to thank you, Andrew Harvey, for all of the amazing, wonderful gifts you give to the world, for being the voice that will so clearly state the things that so many others are afraid to speak of, the things that we need to address, the things that we need to put our focus on so that we can change them. I appreciate you being here. Next week, my guest is Jonathan Goldman, and we were going to learn about sacred sound. You can also find out more about many of my wonderful guests in 1111 Magazine. Visit 1111mag.com. There will be a beautiful feature article on Andrew Harvey in the July-August edition that is coming out soon. I look forward to seeing you next week and having some beautiful sound with Jonathan Goldman. Take care. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 